What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat me. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. A lot of people like the headbangers. They're most unusual. And again, their style is something. He's there. Nobody for the moonsault. And now the Godwins. Here we go. Slop drop. First one's history, folks. The Godwins will be facing the tag team champions tomorrow night. Close line there. And risking disqualification. Uh-oh. Hillbilly Jim now. Look at this. The official. Look at this. Wow. What a maneuver there, one, two, and he got it. Mosh. That was a unique move by Mosh, a vertical version of the uh, bombs away created by the late Ray Stevens, using that posterior right in the chest cavity of your opponent. Some people like them, some people don't. Nonetheless, they have made a tremendous impact in their very first WrestleMania. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 256 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, a podcast that's available two times a week, wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes or TuneIn Radio or Player FM or Google Play or my personal favorite, the Podomatic app. It's two times a week, Tuesday and Friday, the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast hit the subscribe button and get two days worth of wrestling interview gold delivered right to your phone or mobile device. And we want to say today's episode is brought to you by our friends down at Primal Conflict Wrestling. And this coming Saturday night, Primal Conflict Wrestling presents Flashpoint, 
live in Leesburg, Virginia. Head on over to PrimalConflictWrestling.com for more information. And for a stacked card that features today's guest, Headbanger Mosh, and his partner, Headbanger Thrasher, otherwise known as the Headbangers, Ring of Honor's Brutal Bob Evans, and former TNA knockout Jade all will be on the card in Leesburg, Virginia for Primal Conflict Wrestling. Again, visit PrimalConflictWrestling.com for more information and a little bit more about the event later on in the show. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. As always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, on the show today, we wrap up Headbangers Week by presenting Chaz Warrington a.k.a. Headbanger Mosh, to complete the duo known as the Headbangers, former WWF Tag Team Champions, former NWA Tag Team Champions, and current Tag Team Champions of the Universe, as told to us by Mosh during the interview. But what can you say about Headbangers Week? It's been a lot of fun to explore a team that definitely has not gotten the due that it should from the WWE. Obviously, we detailed it pretty thoroughly with Headbanger Thrasher about their return to SmackDown this past year and how it was and what it was like and this and that. But we get the perspective now of Mosh, which is awesome. And when we can kind of complete the tag team stories by having both guys' perspectives, I just, I absolutely love that. And Mosh is such a colorful guy, such a great storyteller, that this was just so cool to kind of tie both things together. And the thing that I really like about the Headbangers as a duo and as a team is their chemistry. And when you get these tag teams together and you want to ask them similar questions, it's really cool to sit there. Basically, you could take a pen out and kind of write the questions down and see how the answers match up. And I guess the chemistry that you have as a team is really reflected in how you answer questions because when you get the perception of a tag team that has a great chemistry, you think that they're traveling the roads together, they're talking to each other nonstop, they're really they're always on the same page. And maybe with the headbangers, they go back so long together. They have such a history going through the Monster Factory together, obviously with Mosh as the student and Thrasher as the teacher, as we learned in Thrasher's episode, that these guys have known each other for so long that it must be second nature to be able to tell the same stories and just be on the same page with the answers. But John, this is why I'm so excited to get down to Leesburg this coming Saturday night and spend this time around the Headbangers and kind of get more insight into their career and maybe uh, see what they can offer to the next generation of tag teams coming up. And as I welcome you in here, why don't you talk a little bit more about that chemistry that they have, about some of the stories that they were able to tell, and obviously a little bit more information about PCW this coming Saturday night with its huge Flashpoint event in Leesburg, Virginia. Yes, Chad, we're back at it here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling, and this time we have on the other headbanger. Yes, like you said, that is headbanger Mosh, and of course, we're talking PCW, Primal Conflict Wrestling, and they present Flashpoint, April 8th, Saturday in Leesburg, Virginia, so please, if you're in the area, come on by. For an amazing show, PCW is one of the best indies, and if you're in the Virginia area, you know that all too well. And obviously this Saturday night in Leesburg, the Headbangers, Thrasher, and of course our guest Mosh, aka the Headbangers, will be against the Punk Rock All-Stars. And this will be the rubber match. They are one-on-one against each other, and this will settle it once and for all. Who is 
the best tag team in the business right now? Is it the Headbangers or is it the Punk Rock All-Stars? We'll find out Saturday night at Flashpoint. Now, we talked to Glenn, obviously, early in the week, a.k.a. Thrasher, and we went through a whole litany of things, and we talked about all the great opponents that they've had in their career. We talked about the run in USWA, CW, Smoky Mountain, obviously mainly the WWF, but... You know, when you're talking to both guys, you always want to kind of look at it from both their perspectives and both their point of views. So when we ask Thrasher a question, we kind of, you know, want to ask Mosh as well. And sometimes you expect the same answer, and sometimes you don't. Well, with these two, it was great because, you know, you get a similar answer in concept, if you will. But such a different answer, if, if you know what I'm saying. It, it's the same, but it's so different. And it was so cool to get both their perspectives on their career, on how the gimmick was started. Basically, Jim Cornette kind of giving him that headbanger gimmick and where that really came from. So really, really cool stuff. And I like to hear from both perspectives because it, it's the same, like I said, but it is truly, truly different. And I like to get both sides of the spectrum there. So I love getting not only both headbangers on the show, but both headbangers on the show in one week. So it's really cool. And I really, you know, liked to see kind of their favorite matches or their best chemistry or kind of who they really enjoyed working with. And was both guys, you know, going to give me the same answer? Did one guy kind of enjoy another tag team more than another? So obviously, you know, we talk about the Outlaws. We talk about the Hardy Boys. We talk about the Dudleys. We talk about the Acolytes, the Blackjacks, but when we said, you know, who's the favorite team or who best chemistry, both of them kind of said it was the Godwins and how they really meshed well together. And Godwins are totally underrated tag team, and I could totally see that, and I totally agree with both of them. They seem to have a great chemistry. Sometimes, like they say, styles make fights, and styles make chemistry, and styles can really work out well as far as meshing and creating great chemistry and for whatever reason the godwins and the headbangers definitely had that great chemistry you know i mentioned it uh, when we kind of did the opening for for glenn i mentioned a bunch of teams i talked about furnace and lafon talked about this team or, or that team but you know i really didn't mention owen and bulldog and obviously both the headbangers mentioned it in the interview the great chemistry that they also shared with those guys and what a great tag team owen and the bulldogs were but also another great tag team was the Rock and Roll Express. So it's really cool because they were just inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame over WrestleMania weekend. So it was really cool to get Mosh's opinion on the Rock and Roll Express, kind of what they meant to their career because they were able to wrestle them not only in Smoky Mountain, but also in the WWF as well. So that was really cool to kind of get, you know, the the perspective of today of them being inducted into the Hall of Fame and kind of really being able to reflect on the respect and the admiration that they had for the Rock and Roll Express, who are arguably the greatest tag team of all time. They're definitely up there, top five, top ten, whatever you want to say. There's no doubt about it. And we get some great opinions from Mosh on that. So this is a great interview. Obviously, the Headbangers are such great guys and can't wait to work with them on Saturday night for PCW out there in Leesburg, Virginia, at PCW's big show, Flashpoint. I absolutely love all of the attention that the Rock and Roll Express are getting in 2017 thus far. It is very, very cool to see. But obviously with Mosh, longtime fan of the Rock and Roll Express, a huge Ricky Morton fan, talks about the first time that they wrestled him. He brought an 8x10 for him to sign of when he met him as a kid, and that is an awesome story. That is so cool to know that when you are a fan growing up, you really can just achieve anything in your career, in your personal life, if you really set those goals 
and Mosh had a one goal in mind, and that was to be a professional wrestler. And he idolized Ricky Morton and was able to have two different programs at the Rock and Roll Express. So that's cool. But, John, just before we uh, kind of get our thoughts over to the interview, just talk briefly about that return to SmackDown that we covered with Thrasher. It was such a cool moment. The Attitude Era felt like it was back for a brief second, having a style of the headbangers, having that look that really nobody today has. But they were back for a hot minute. They had a few matches on SmackDown. And will they be back is the next question. With all the things going on, with the switching of the brands, the superstar shakeup, are we going to see the headbangers back is the ultimate question, I think, on uh, everybody's mind who's listening to this episode. Yeah, just one other point I wanted to make, and obviously we mentioned this with Thrasher as well, was the recent return of the Headbangers. They recently returned to WWE TV on SmackDown Live. It was a huge surprise appearance, and it was really cool to see. And I love talking to Thrasher about it, and I love talking to Mosh about it as well, because with Mosh, we, we got you know a different answer, similar, but a, definitely a different answer on what he felt like uh, the return was and how special it was and what it meant to him and really we kind of delved into the current guys like the Usos or Heath Slater and we really wanted to talk about what he thought about the current locker room and the current vibe and kind of what he thought of returning and stuff and we got it from Glenn and we get it from Mosh as well the opinion on John Cena and how he kind of came up to them out of nowhere and catering and welcomed them back and real good sign of respect for the headbangers because Back when they were wrestling in the 90s, it was kind of like they were the young guys coming up. And obviously now, they were in 2016, 2017, with obviously 2017 it is now, but they returned in 16, and they're looking to return in 2017. It's really cool to see the Headbangers kind of being those mentors and giving back and passing the torch to these other teams. So that is awesome to see and also great that uh, they kind of cherish it and really, really respect the business in that way. So I just liked that they were able to return on SmackDown and truly an unsung tag team that's really a great tag team. And anytime you can put on your resume former WWF World Tag Team Champion, former NWA World Tag Team Champion, you know you did something in this business and you know you really, really were a very special tag team. Without a doubt, and this coming Saturday night when we all get down to Leesburg, Virginia for the PCW Flashpoint event, it's going to be an awesome night. There's going to be stage diving, there's going to be some headbanging, and maybe even a little slam dancing as the headbangers roll in. They're going to take on the Punk Rock All-Stars, and it will be quite a night for both the two-man power trip and for the headbangers, and we hope to see anybody who's in the D.C. metro listening area get on out to Leesburg, Virginia. Head on over to PrimalConflictWrestling.com for more information, including where to get your tickets and how you can follow Primal Conflict Wrestling for all the other events that are coming up after Flashpoint. And Primal Conflict Wrestling continues to just put on stellar events and really is a top-notch organization, and we are so happy to be involved with the fine folks over at Primal Conflict Wrestling. And we want to extend a huge thank you to both Chaz and Glenn from the Headbangers for spending Headbangers Week with us. It has been a lot of fun and hopefully make some more memories this weekend. And all the fans that will be there in attendance will be the recipients of some very special, special things, courtesy of both the two-man power trip of wrestling and the Headbangers. So as the music starts to creep in, John, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Headbanger Mosh. And now for some TMPT business. 
Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jeffrey McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com is your superstore. If you are a super fan, and you can please check out our page while you're there, you can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. April 22nd, we hit Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Icon Collectors Fest. Then, May 19th and May 20th, we hit the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond, Virginia. Then, follow us to New Jersey as we hit Legends of the Ring in Monroe. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former WWF Tag Team Champion, a former NWA Tag Team Champion. You may have known him as Bieber Cleavage, but most importantly, you probably know him as a headbanger. He is Mosh, aka Chaz Warrington. Please enjoy. on April 8th for Primal Conflict Wrestling's Flashpoint event in Leesburg, Virginia. Of course, if you listen to our episode with his tag team partner, you already know that he's a former NWA World Tag Team Champion and a WWF Tag Team Champion. He's the other member of the Headbangers. He is Mosh. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now, let's get it right here. We are former NWA World Tag Team Champions, former WWF Tag Team Champions, and current Tag Team Champions of the Universe. Been the longest-running Tag Team Champions in the history of wrestling. Been Tag Team Champions Universe since 1998. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's definitely. I got to add that to the one sheet. I got to add that to the uh, to the credentials 
because how could we uh, how could we miss out on that? When you're a reigning uh, champion of the universe, that's definitely something that's got to top the list. Exactly. There's no. There's been only one tag team champ of the universe since 1998, and that's us. <laughs> well, the tag team champions of the universe will be heading to Leesburg, Virginia, for Primal Conflict Wrestling. I think that that's something that uh, we can all say we're looking forward to, but. How do you feel about coming to Leesburg, Virginia? Obviously, you're a northeastern guy by trade, but now living down in Florida. How do you feel about coming out to Virginia to face the foes of Primal Conflict Wrestling? Um, I'm excited. I haven't been in the Virginia area in a long time, so I'm um, you know, excited to, to come up there, and hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer uh, this time of year than it uh, normally is. But I'm definitely excited to get up there and um, have a good time, beat some people up, meet some people. I'm not going to push you and say kiss babies, but, um, you know, I'll do, well, Glenn will do anything for, for a dollar, so he may kiss your babies. <laughs> well, you talk about being uh, tag team champion of the universe since 1998. Funny enough, I attended an independent wrestling event in 1998 while you guys were still with the WWF. It was the NWA New Jersey shows. And uh, meeting you guys back then, it was quite the experience. So to know that I was a part of history and meeting tag team champions, of the universe uh, is pretty special, but I got to start with another universe. And I said to, uh, to to Glenn, this was the elephant in the room, but we got to ask you about the return to SmackDown this past year. Obviously, all the fans were uh, were loving it, the anticipation building from the first announcement. But what are your thoughts on the uh, the return to SmackDown in the WWE universe? Well, I mean, it was. I, I mean, it was it, besides just being awesome. I mean, and tremendous. It was. It was actually a dream come true for me for the reason of my son will be 13 in April, and he's seen me do indie shows since he was a little kid. So to him, it's not a big deal. You know, it's just dad, you know, he, he wrestles, and that, that's what he does, and he's silly and goofy, and that's what he does. But the one thing I've wanted to do, because he's never saw it, was to be in that WWE ring. Um, so for him to be able to see that, um, that to me was what made it so special. I mean, being back in that ring and being back in that locker room was special. It was awesome. You know, we went back. It was, you know, everyone in the locker room, arms wide open. Um, again, it was a pleasure. It was a treat. It was awesome to be there. But for me personally, being being able for him to be able to see me in that ring was was the greatest. And my wife actually set up her phone and videoed the match on TV while videoing him so I could actually got to be able to see his reactions, um, which made it even better to be able to see his reaction of watching me come out live on TV and live at the same time. I mean, it was beyond special. That's so awesome. And like I said, when the announcement came, it was on a weekend, and I think it started to build. Everybody was kind of skipping over Raw. If you're an old-school fan, you were kind of skipping over Raw and waiting for SmackDown for you guys to come back. And we were talking about it with, uh, with Glenn that – you know, they didn't necessarily uh, – we, we, we kind of harped on the theme music. That was one thing that, that kind of stunk, that they didn't give you guys the old theme music. But to see you guys, you didn't get the, the most time for the match, but to see the, 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 the acceleration of your match and how you guys performed, stepping back through those ropes, being so much more seasoned than you were even then, how did it feel, though, to finally come back and step through that WWE ring and show everybody that you guys still got it? Well, I mean, obviously, it felt great. I mean, you know, and as far as the ring music goes, I could give a shit less. And to be totally honest, <laughs> I, 
I, I couldn't even tell. I didn't hear the music. I, I couldn't hear the music. I couldn't tell you what the music was. Um, I know some people focused on the music. Other people focused on that we didn't have a video behind us. Um, I, I thought it was cool how the entire show, they talked about our return. Bradshaw, you know, put it over, like, the, the professional and, the, and the, the great, you know, announcer that he is um, about us not being in that ring, you know, for together for 16 years. Um, and then to come out and get the reaction we got and then to be able to go out there, you know, and have a great little match with Heath and Rhino, it was just awesome. And to go out there and still show that we can still go and hang with those guys and still do what we did, you know, 16 years ago was even better. But, I mean, as far as the music and the video goes and all that stuff, that, that meant absolutely positively nothing to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's the little things that I think the fans, like, they start to harp on, those little small, tiny things, because they hear the music in their heads. So they obviously, uh, you know, they've got their face paint and their skirts on. So they want the theme music. They want the headbanger experience. But with 16 years being the difference, there's a couple different faces in the locker room, but there are a couple familiar faces. So how was it seeing those guys that maybe you haven't crossed paths with over the last 16 years? Well, it was great. I mean, that's one of the things I love about doing, um, you know, shows, um, conventions, uh, things like that, is you get to see the guys you haven't seen in a long time. You get to reminisce and, you know, laugh and joke about old stories. Um, so it's great seeing them. It's great meeting the, the new guys, um, the respect. And I look at myself as anyone else who, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to have this weird job where, you know, I was on TV for a while and, you know, I'm kind of in the spotlight. Um, but I look at myself as every other person. I'm no different except I have this weird job. Um, so a lot of, some of the guys, I don't want to say a lot, some of the guys, um, you know, the respect factor you see as, you know, you know, to, to put it, you know, Zach Ryder, um, you know, he comes up and he's like, oh my God, you know, I watched you guys when I was a kid, like I had your action figures and so like having guys come up like that and say that to you is kind of cool because like when I wrestled Ricky and Robert of the Rock and Roll Express in Smoky Mountain. I brought a picture in that I took with Ricky Morton in 10th grade and had him sign it for me. So it was almost like the roles, the roles were being reversed. And again, I never looked at myself as, you know, someone that people watched and looked up to and stuff like that. So to, to, to see that it was kind of cool. It was different because it was something that I'd never experienced before. That's really cool to hear. That is, uh, that's almost like a full circle thing where, you know, Ricky and Robert, it's almost apropos, too, that now they're going in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, those are guys that they influence so many people, and now you're playing that role coming back. But I'm telling you, it was the pace of that match. Is, as fast as it was, I mean, when you guys hit that stage dive, I mean, it was like no time passed. And it was, uh, from a fan's perspective, i got to say it was very cool to see. But one other person who I, I was curious to ask this, and we didn't get to ask Glenn this when we, uh, when we spoke with him, but... Did you get a chance to see Vince, or was Vince at this show? And if he was, you know, how was that after 16 years? Because obviously he watched you guys go through that curtain uh, hundreds of times, and now, you know, you guys as veterans coming back, obviously it's got to be somewhat of a different feeling. But was Vince at that SmackDown that you guys were wrestling on? Yeah, Vince was there in his normal position at the Gorilla with um, headset on. And, um, you know, he was there. He said hi to us when he saw us. You know, we, you know good luck. Go out there and do your thing. Um, Shane was there, you know, obviously Shane was like, go out there and just be yourselves and have fun and do your thing. And we came back and they were like, you know, great job. Thank you. You know, that was awesome. And I apologize for making everyone bleed in the match, but, um, you know, 
poop happens. Uh, but yeah, no, Vince was there. Vince was great. And you know, Vince has always been great. You know, Vince is just business all the time. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. And the reason I ask if he was there or not, because, uh, yeah, we've recently talked to a couple of people who said that he wasn't, I was actually, it was, uh, it was Gilbert. He was not at the, uh, the Monday night raw that Gilbert was on. So that's why I wanted to ask if he was there, but you know, Coming back to SmackDown, obviously now the brands are, you know, two separate entities. Back in the day, they were just two separate shows. But do you kind of like how they've done the brand extension and allow people to go back and forth, I guess, eventually, but have two separate kind of uh, rival shows for uh, competition within one brand? No, I like it because it leaves the, the opportunity for more guys to showcase themselves. I mean, if you really think about it, they didn't split the brand who would you see on all the shows? You would see Kevin Owens. You'd see Jericho. Um, you'd see, you know, Seth Rollins. You'd see, you know, um, uh, you, you know, you'd see the same guys on both shows like it always used to be before. I mean, when I was there, we had Raw and SmackDown. Um, it was the same guys. And then you had Shotgun Saturday Night and you had Sunday Night Heat for, you know, the mid to lower card guys like myself. Um, but now with the brands being split, you have the opportunity for more talent. Um, you know, you get better storylines going. Um, you know, you got the, the competition. It's almost competition between the two shows, kind of like it was competition with WWF and WCW back back in the day with the Monday Night Wars. Because, you know, the, the locker room, at least the SmackDown locker room, they were talking about what some of the guys did on Raw, some of the storylines, you know, come on, let's go out there and let's let's do better than them. and stuff like that. So I think it's a great thing, the, the way they've done it. And to be honest with you, the way SmackDown's set up in that locker room is great. I like the way the um, they do the TV for SmackDown. I like that a little better than Raw. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's created some competition that's been missing for many, many, many years. Now, what is the current status with the WWE? Are the headbangers headed back there, possibly, you know, Headbangers, American Alpha. Like, what is the you know the status right now with the WWE? The status right now is there is none. Um, if they call and they ask if we're available, then we see if we're available. Um, there's been zero talks of any kind of like permanent thing to come back. Um, it's just they you know they called us and I got it. I actually got a text from Road Dog the first time asking if we were available. Um, and then after that, it was another text from Road Dog, and then it was a phone call saying, hey, or then it was from, yeah, it was from Road Dog, um, and then it was a call from the office the last time we were there saying, hey, you know, they're wondering if you guys were available on Tuesday. I mean, it was left as the doors wide open, you know, you guys did good business, you know, you helped out the younger talent, and you know, is what it is. I even um, I had emailed uh, Hunter about possibly doing some NXT stuff, and you know, he said, you know, that door is possibly open also for down the road, because you know, I think Glenn and I, you know, we can contribute in the ring. I think we've shown that. Uh, but at the same time, we have a lot of knowledge we can pass on to some of the younger talent as well. So either way, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I'm good with it. I'm good with what I've done. I got to do the one, you know, the one thing I wanted to do, which was have my son see me in that ring um, one time, and he got to see it three times. So, you know, I'm good. I only have one thing left on my bucket list, and that's a trip to Japan. Always uh, something good and something to keep in that bucket list. Japan, uh, definitely uh, a lot of fun for a lot of wrestlers. But, you know, we asked Glenn about the formation of the Headbangers, how you guys got together. And obviously it's going to be a complete 
you know, it's going to be somewhat of a, of a similar answer, but it's going to be completely different because you guys had the exact opposite roles. Obviously, he was kind of more the mentor. You were more the protege. So how did you guys get together, and how did the headbangers kind of form? Well, I was went to the Monster Factory and um, went down there to watch a show, and Glenn was the heavyweight champ as a spider at the time, and our high schools wrestled each other, so we kind of knew of each other. Didn't know each other, but we knew each other. Um, and then from there, we started talking, and he's like, oh, you should come and try out. And, and I was still going to school. I was still wrestling uh, for my junior college, and I, I was like 170 pounds. I'm like, there's no way. Like, you know, I gotta, would have to put weight on. It's something I, I think it would be fun to try out. And he's like, no, no, you should come down and try out. So I went and tried out and ended up staying. And then uh, – Three weeks into my training, WWF was in, in the area um, doing the WWF Superstar shows that you saw on Saturday morning, which was all squash matches. And Glenn took me because he kind of would run it for the school, and um, he would set it up with WWF and organize the guys and, you know, kind of be the guy in charge. And um, so he took me, and, you know, my, my first night in, I ended up, you know, going out there against Adam Bomb. Second night, I'm out there against Papa Shango. Again, only been training in the ring three weeks. And I actually had six TV appearances uh, before I actually had, like, a real match down at the Monster Factory. Um, after a few months of that, Glenn asked me, um, he said, you know, he goes, I've been trying to bust my ass as a singles for, like, three years. You know, I like to try tag team. You know, you and I get along. We're kind of built similar. Um, you know, do you want to try this? So I'm like, sure. So um, we went out as the Spiders and went to Memphis for a few months. Then we're out in Arkansas for a while. And then we got a call from Cornette that uh, Cornette wanted to bring us out to Smoky Mountain. But he didn't like the Spider gimmick. He didn't like the hoods. And he presented us with this idea with the headbanger thing. And, you know, we were at that point, we just we were lucky just to do anything. and wanted to get out to Smoky Mountain. You know, that was one of the places to go and get noticed. And, fuck, it's Jim Cornette. Who doesn't want to go work with Jim Cornette? Um so he presented us with this idea, with the gimmick, and we kind of ran with it from there. Always fun to hear, you know, a good Cornette story, and obviously, obviously, you know, a lot of fun to work with Cornette as well. Now, Cornette we- is awesome. Cornette is the man. I can never say a negative word about him. Oh, he's the best. Uh, I love hearing him. But you know, as far as when the Headbangers were formed, and he's kind of telling you the character, were you buying it in, into it right away because it's Cornette, or did you really, you know, were you really feeling the character? Well, I I had been I had one of my best friends. I've been to heavy metal concerts with him. Um, you know, I've been in mosh pit, so I, I knew exactly what Cornette was talking about when he told me he went to a Danzig concert and these guys were beating the shit out of each other and dotting on each other and spitting on each other and hitting each other. And um, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Glenn had no clue. Um, so he <laughs> goes, you know, they were wearing skirts, they were wearing this face paint, you know, they were wearing heavy metal shirts and all this crazy stuff. He's like, not that I expect you guys, you know, to go as far as wearing dresses and skirts and stuff like that. You know, I'm just trying to let you know what it's about. And I, I looked right at him. I go, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know what? I'm in. Like, let's just try it and see what happens. So when we first went there, we were just wearing shorts. Cornette brought us um, T-shirts. He gave me a Slayer shirt. I think he gave Glenn a Metallica shirt um, to wear. And we just had shorts. And I think I had, like, old work boots on. And Glenn had old high top sneakers on and we went out there and did our match and at the time that's when pg-13 was over in memphis with uswa 
and I had said to Glenn, I go, we got to change something up. We can't, this is, we look like PG-13 minus putting face paint on. Um, we got to change it up. So we were just walking through a thrift store, and I went over to the skirts, and I said, we got to try them. He's like, there's no way I'm wearing a skirt. I go, we're buying skirts, and we're just going to try them. And we went out there to one night. We got so much heat from the crowd. I mean, you know, you're in the middle of, you know, Tennessee, God's country, and um, you got two guys in skirts with face paint on and walking around just spitting on the crowd. I mean, we were literally just walking up to people and just spitting in their face because that's what Cornette wanted us to do. And uh, we got so much heat, Cornette came in the back and handed us each 20 bucks, and he goes, go buy more skirts. He goes, you guys are now wrestling in skirts. And that's kind of how uh, Real Men Wear Skirts came about. <laughs> that's great. I love that. Uh, you know, he, he sees the heat and he loves it. And he's like, oh, you know, this, this is working. This is definitely something that we've got to take advantage of. And I think it's cool, like you mentioned before, working with the Rock and Roll Express and almost like full circle now where you where, you know, you guys come back and work with the Usos or something. It's like they get to work with a great tag team. You guys get to work with a great tag team. So what was it like kind of in that locker room and – you know, going under the learning tree a little bit of the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I mean, it was it was different because locker rooms back then were almost separate. Um, so you really didn't get to see the guys beforehand because you know they're working gymnasiums where you know the baby faces are in the boys' locker room, the heels are in the, the girls' locker room. Um, you know, so it was separate. So you really didn't get to interact that much with them. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was just great. I mean, I was brought up, you know, I was trained by Larry Sharp, Glenn trained me. So, you know, I had that old school mentality of, you know, play off the crowd and, you know, play off the crowd and go, go, you know, call the match out in the ring according to what the crowd's buying and what they're not buying. And being out there with Ricky and Robert was, and even with, you know, Dirty White Boy, Tony Anthony and Tracy Smothers, you know, those were the, the four guys we worked the most I mean, you were able to feed off of them and just listen to them. And, you know, it was funny. There was one time I was in, I was in with Robert, and he goes, you know, you're not selling. I go, what do you mean you're not, I'm not selling? I go, I don't feel you. He goes, oh, you don't feel me. I'm like, no. And the next time he went to lock up, he punched me right in the mouth. And I went, all right, lesson learned there. I got it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, just, you know, knowledge like that and just being in the ring with them, not even have to say anything, just following them was, was you know, was was lessons enough. And the great thing about Cornette is that Smoky Mountain goes by the wayside, but he decides to make sure that you guys get signed by the WWE and, you know, kind of bring that headbangers gimmick to the WWE. Is that kind of basically how it went down? He, he brought you guys over and Vince liked the gimmick? Well, what happened was is he he left, it closed down. We were, like, just doing indies all over wherever, wherever we could get booked. Um, and he called us up, and it was funny. We were actually on our way back from Michigan, and um, we, Glenn and I shared a beeper. It was a toll-free beeper where people could call and leave us messages. Not that we have money to, or a way to call anybody back, but, hey, people could leave us messages. So um, we, we, we got a message. We pull over in West Virginia, and it's a message from Cornette. So, you know, we call Cornette back, and we're in a puddle in West Virginia, outside in the rain on a payphone and we call Cornette for him to tell us that um you know we're being this is when they were doing the part-time contracts and he said hey he goes um are you guys available on the state you know wwf you know we want you to come up and do tv 
Well, of course, we'll make ourselves available. He goes, okay, great, because um, bring a pen because you're signing part-time contracts. Um, so, I mean, Glenn and I in the rain danced around in a puddle in West Virginia. Getting that message was awesome. And uh, what Cornette told us was he went into Vince. He caught Vince in a good mood. And today I have these two guys. I want you to look at them. You know, let's bring them up to TV, have them do a dark match. And Vince basically said to him, well, tell me about them. And Cornette said, well, you know who they are. You know, they've been up here. They've done, you know, jobs. They've done enhancement matches a lot. He goes, you know, they, they come up with the spiders. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I know who those two guys are. And, and Cornette goes, well, they have this gimmick we're doing now, the headbangers. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, I know exactly what you're talking about. He goes, just sign them to the part-time deal. And that's how we got started was part-time contracts. And obviously, you guys moved up the ranks pretty quick. You guys eventually became tag team champions. Obviously, we mentioned before NWA tag team champs too. But what was it like, kind of getting the, um, you know, the, the pat on the back or like the the ultimate, if you will, of winning the WWF tag team titles at that point? Um, I mean, well, obviously, I mean, you know, you're at the you're at the top. You're at the pinnacle. You've made it all the way to the top. I mean, there was nothing at that point. There was nothing better. Um, the only thing I could have even compared to it was, you know, winning at WrestleMania, our first WrestleMania, 13 in Chicago, having action figures. They're making merchandise of you. Um, but, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're known as the best tag team in the world for however many days it was. So, I mean, you know, it's like winning the Super Bowl. It's just awesome. And you guys definitely were in there with some great tag teams. And I can remember a Raw in 97, you guys – wrestling LOD and obviously you know LOD doesn't go over and obviously eventually you guys end up beating LOD so it's kind of like them cementing you as like well you know obviously Legion of Doom and Road Warriors one of the top teams ever when you don't lose to them and then you end up beating them it's pretty you know pretty much saying them saying they think pretty highly of the headbangers um yeah I mean that was another that was another cool night because that was the night that uh LOD made their return after being, you know, gone for a while, we were on the road for 10 days straight doing house shows. And, you know, Glenn and I were going over every night. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And then we walk into, uh, walk into the arena up there in New York and uh, we see our name up against LOD and we just went, uh, well, so that was short lived. And, um, (laughs) then, then when they told us it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a double count out, double DQ, whatever it was, we were like, holy shit. The Road Warriors are coming back tonight, and we're not just putting them over. And then it turned funny because after it was over, they were like, you know, we still want to hit you after the bell rings, you know, hit hit one of these with the finisher. That's when Glenn and I started arguing on who was going to take the finisher. But I won, and I got to take it. So that's all that mattered. And what do you think about that tag team division from that era? Because obviously everybody always talks about the late 80s. You know, and WWE really tried to restart that tag division with the brand extension, but that late 90s tag division, I don't really think it gets the credit that it should. There was a lot of great teams in there. Obviously, you guys highlighted as one of them, but do you think that that tag division doesn't get the uh, the credit it deserves for, uh, you know, tag team history with the WWF? Yeah, it doesn't, and probably the biggest reason why is there wasn't a lot of established tag teams. Um, you know, they put a lot of guys together, you know, that's when the whole thing started of let's put Dude Love and Stone Cold together to help build, make them tag champs to build their angle. Um, you know, they took two guys, you know, as, as great as um, Road Dog and Billy were, you know, let's take two singles guys, put them together, and let them run. 
Um, you know, they put the Bariquas together. They had a lot of groups together. You know, they put the, the Nation of Domination. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, basically they were taking guys and just kind of throwing them together. You know, you had the Heart Foundation, but it was different because you had, you know, Davy Boy with Owen, and then you put Brett with this one. And a lot of it was just kind of throwing guys together. There wasn't really established. I think we were the really only established ones, and you had the Godwins that were really only, like, you know, established, established. They brought Doug and Phil in, but they, they just didn't adapt well to the style um, compared to what they're used to in Japan. You know, the, the, uh, the new Blackjacks that are throwing, you know, Barry and Bradshaw together. So I think a lot of that is, you know, they were all great tag teams. That, you know, we were able to have great matches with everybody, but I think that kind of hurt it because in the 80s, you know, you had Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, you know, you had um, – you know, the Andersons, you had all these great established tag teams that were established for so long, it meant more. Um, the tag team division, in my opinion, kind of dropped um, as far as meaning-wise when you put two belts, like you put, and nothing against Heath and Rhino, but you put the belts on them because it, it was part of the storyline. You know, the, the storyline with them two being together, that's what it was all about. Um, you know, you put it together to build the storyline, you know, with, you know, again, Dude Love and Stone Cold. So you lose, in my opinion, you kind of lose a lot of the steam of, you know, having established teams, you know, constantly battling each other. That's an excellent point. I never really thought of it in that perspective where, yeah, that was the first era where the, the big names were put together and sandwiched as a tag team. And they hate to even put them in that class because they were so great together. But the same thing with Bulldog and Owen. And they really dominated the tag team scene for about a year and a half. But, again, it was two guys that were separate entities brought together as a team. And, yeah, they put the Hart Foundation uh, emblem on them at one point. But still, that is an excellent point. I never thought of it like that. But another tag team that we've obviously already mentioned a couple of times and a huge uh, association with you, but the NWA angle in 98, we got to talk about that. That was something that, you know, I, it was thrown in there kind of maybe – I don't know if it's a jab towards uh, Jim Cornette and Jeff Jarrett and all that stuff they were trying to do, but I thought it was pretty uh, pretty interesting for that era, the Attitude Era bringing the uh, the tradition back of the NWA. What did you guys think about being thrust into that? Obviously, counterculture to the old school at that point in history. But uh, what did you kind of think looking back at that NWA uh, WWF angle? Well, I mean, I loved it for multiple reasons. I mean, one reason is, you know, we became NWA World Tag Team Champions. Um, the other reason is we got to beat the Rock and Roll Express for them. Um, the other reason is if it's an angle that Vince is buying and Vince is pushing and you're involved in it, that means you're going to be on TV, you're going to be used, and you're going to get pushed. Um, so for all of those reasons, you know, it was great. Plus, it was just fun. I mean, I'm in the middle of an angle on WFTV on Monday Night Raw every week and I'm working with Jim Cornette and the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that. And, I mean, and working, you know, Ricky and Robert and Cornette, I mean, besides just the learning factor, just the fun factor and the, the ease factor. And, you know, learning from them, you know, there, there's, there was nothing better. And it's also ironic, too, that Smoky Mountain's influence on the WWF by 98 was so large because you had – you guys, you had Cornette, and then the Rock and Roll Express were in there. But then you also look around the locker room, you see guys like D'Lo Brown and the big guy Kane, also a Smoky Mountain alumni, and Al Snow coming back in. 
obviously Smoky Mountain had an impact on the WWF, but do you think Smoky Mountain doesn't get the credit that it deserves for being the territory that it was looking back? Oh, yeah, it most certainly does not. I mean, Smoky Mountain was, you know, it was great. You know, you had, you had Wildfire, Tommy Richard. Granted, he won the belt and then they shut down, but the talent they had there and they were able to swap back and forth between USWA. And when we were there, you know, it was an angle with USWA and Smoky Mountain. I mean, it was, it was great. And, you know, and don't forget TL Hopper. TL Hopper came from Smoky Mountain. So, Oh wait, you might want to forget that. Never mind. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. The, uh, the dirty white boy playing the, the, um, the plumber, probably not uh, the best gimmick ever. Yeah, Dirty White Boy was great. Though. I remember uh, we were in the ring with him one time, and, you know, like, Glenn and I were still you know, learning and trying to figure stuff out in Smoky Mountain, even though we had been working together, you know, we had some established stuff for, you know, for a couple of years. I remember slamming him in the corner, Glenn and I wanting to try this move, and I remember slamming him in the corner, and as I climb up to the top rope, Glenn's going to suplex me onto – to, to Dirty White Boy, but it was just going to be like a suplex splash. He's guns on the top rope. He's going to push me off. And I remember climbing up there, and as I'm coming off, he just rolled out of the way, and I was like, you dick. Because <laughs> I was totally not ready for it, and I landed totally different than not how I wanted to land. And But it was just one of those fun things. And he was like, you're coming flying all over. I don't know where you're coming from. I'm moving. I'm getting out of the way. So Tony was a good guy, too. He was fun. <laughs> You gotta love uh, those old school guys, those old school Southern guys. They're the best. As I start to uh, wind it down a bit here, you know, we talked about so many good things. I mean, the pairing of the headbangers, the chemistry you guys have is great. But who out there, as far as an opponent, is some of the headbangers' greatest opponents? Like, who who are some of your favorite matches? Um, that's simple. It had to be the Godwins and Road Dog and Billy. Um, those country whipping matches with Godwins were just fun. Um, just regular matches with them were just fun. We we gelled really, really well um, with their goofiness and our goofiness. You know, it was just it was just easy. Um, and the same thing with Billy and Road Dog. Um, you know, we just gelled really well with them also. And you know, they were just easy easy to work. And you know, they know how to work. It was that that old school mentality of you know, let's work the crowd and not worried about having spot tests. So you were able to, you know, go out there on house shows and tell a story and mess with the people, and, you know, they were fun. It's always interesting when you, you know, you interview both members of the tag team and they both say the one tag team that they both like to work. Sometimes it's not always that way, but he, uh, Glenn said the Godwins as well was, uh, was probably his favorite matches or some of his favorite opponents. Yeah, he didn't like, he didn't like working um, – Billy and Road Dog because he he said he was always sore and beat up after that, but that never happened to me, so I don't know. <laughs> now, as far as you know, some favorite opponents that kind of like fly under the radar, maybe it could happen in Smoky Mountain. You guys have some favorite opponents that maybe you know we wouldn't quite think of. And Smoky Mountain, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of the same guys we worked. It was you know it was either Tracy and and. Dirty White Boy or Rock and Roll um, or just a couple guys they would throw together here and there. So it was basically the same guys there that we worked every night. Now, you guys were also, Glenn was kind of talking about it, and we didn't know this, which is interesting. You guys had an undefeated run for a while as the uh, Sisters of Love. You were doing that uh, that interesting gimmick, kind of dressed up almost like nuns. 
Um, yeah, the, the Sisters of Love, they're still undefeated. And you know who else is still undefeated? Beaver Cleavage. He's still undefeated also. Oh, no way. I didn't even realize that. Still undefeated. They both had one <laughs> match, both undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Was Beaver Cleavage something that you just wanted it? To end, kind of, you know, like you didn't really want it to go on, or was it something you kind of saw some life or some leg in? No, that was just all creative. Um, when they started doing the Beaver Cleavage thing, that's when, right after Owen's accident, um, Sable was suing for sexual harassment and all this other stuff. So I think they were just kind of um, reeling things back in because where that was going with Beaver Cleavage was going. <laughs> It was going somewhere where um, there was no coming back from. Is where they were where they were going with that. They were in, they were going to full on insinuate I was having sex with my mother, um, which I was fine with. I mean, there I am in the ring every night, burying my head in boobies. I mean, who, who can complain about that? <laughs> it was definitely uh, definitely only kind of fitting for the attitude era. It was definitely. Uh... You know, it was kind of just perfect with that that world and that point in WB. And uh, kind of, uh, you know, a little sad to see the Beaver Cleavage undefeated streak, uh, and, and not really end, but kind of end on its own volition. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it, it was, is what it, you know, is what it is, was what it was, whatever. You know, I was just there. I was just happy to have a job, um, to be, you know, thought of, to do something different, um, be used, um, to be working. Um, it was it, it was it was a lot of fun, and then just it would have been even more fun, I think. And here I am, I'm acting like a little five year old kid in the ring again, burying my head in my mother's bosoms um, every night, and you know, doing fun vignettes and videos and stuff like that. So it definitely would have been fun. <laughs> now, as far as the you know the headbangers are concerned, I know you said you definitely want to get to Japan and work in Japan, but is there a dream match out there for the headbangers? Something to kind of check off the old list or maybe even the team that doesn't, uh, not around anymore. Maybe somebody uh, passed away or something, but would there ever be a dream match for the headbangers out there? Well, I think something, you know, if you're going to go, I don't think moving forward at this point, I don't really see like anyone out there to be like a dream match. Um, I mean, if there's someone from a different era, I think it would have been great to work the Andersons. Um, you know, it would have been great to work Tully and Arn. It would have been great to work, you know, the original midnight express, um, you know, some of those old school teams that we grew up watching, I think, you know, back in the old AWA, NWA days, I think those would have been awesome. Um, I think with our style and their style, I think, you know, it could have got over. I think not so much could have got over. I just think we could have had great matches with them. And why go for the original Midnight Express when you can have your battles with the new Midnight Express like you guys did have in that NWA tag team championship run there in uh, in '98, because watching Bart and Bob, all they did was that was during the whole that whole stupid tough enough or whatever that thing was called. Um, all they did was fight each other in the ring and talk about how they were going to beat each other's asses. So I mean, it wasn't that fun. Because <laughs> then they get oh, mad like, at each I... other and take they get mad at each other and take it out on us. That wasn't fun. <laughs> Definitely uh, one to remember those uh, bombastic and bodacious ones, the new Midnight Express. Well, Chaz, as we wrap it up here and we talk again about Leesburg, Virginia on April 8th, the big PCW event flashpoint, we're speculating that you guys are going to be having another match against the Punk Rock All-Stars, which Glenn stated you guys 
faced off against them a few years back, and uh, one of the gentlemen was uh, rather hairy. That was one of the things that stuck out to uh, to Glenn. But as you come down the pike to Leesburg, Virginia, leave us with some parting words, if you can, for uh, your perhaps secondary opponents here in the Punk Rock All-Stars. Well, look, the Punk Rock All-Stars, they like to cheat, but we know they like to cheat, so it's okay. It's all good, because the headbangers like to cheat, too. We'll do win by any means necessary, so it doesn't really matter. So we're going to come there, we're going to have a good time either way, and we're going to make sure all the fans have a good time, and uh, that's about it. You just got to come out there, have fun, and do some good mosh pitting. Uh, excellent. Some stage diving, if you will, but... Please, before we let you go, hit the uh, the fans and the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling with uh, anything and everything going on in the world of Headbanger Mosh. Um, not much here. Just hit me up on uh, you know, Twitter at Chaz Mosh, and um, that's it. Just um, be kind to your kids and bitch slap them if you have to. I mean, just be kind to them. Be kind to one another and bitch slap anybody you can. <laughs> Awesome. Very nice. Well, we, uh, we definitely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. And uh, I think it's going to be a very good time as we get to spend a weekend with the Headbangers. And I think that that's going to be uh, something for the record books. It's definitely going to be a tremendous time. So make sure you're there. And if you're not there, then uh, you're going to miss out on a good time. So just make sure you're there. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.